Okay, today I'm joined with family friend, longtime friend, Madeline Malone. Hello, I'm so happy to be here. I know. I did your dad last night, and you should listen to that one. It was interesting. I'm excited. You yeah. should. Um, so the reason why I wanted to talk to you mainly was because you were homeschooled pretty much your whole life, almost. Yeah. From what the ages of five to eighteen. Yes, Four, that's maybe? right. Five? I don't know. Around there. There is some preschool involved. <laughs> anyway, um, so, um, I just want to understand how it even works. First of all, um, as far as curriculum, um, like course content and um. Just, like, how you even chose classes, like, how long you spent each day. Was it, like, a strict schedule or, like, like what was the infrastructure like? Um, so, I guess the first question to tackle is, um, how many classes did you take uh, each year, I guess? Okay, so, as I got older, I was more and more involved in the planning process so now that I've graduated high school and I'm halfway through college, um, I know most of the details of how mom made her decisions about what she would teach and um, which curriculum we would use and how we'd organize our time. Um, and yeah, I, I think I have more details on how she did high school classes than middle school and elementary school. Okay. Um, but what I love about homeschooling is the flexibility. So we were able to try some different curriculum and find the one that worked best for me. Uh, so we always did just reading, writing, and arithmetic pretty straightforward. Um, that was the basis of most of our school going, growing up. Okay. Um, so our math curriculums changed throughout the years, but we did a lot of Singapore. We did some teaching textbooks. What is our, Singapore? Singapore, it's just a math curriculum, okay. work, workbooks and textbooks. Got it, got it. Um, but I guess my point is there was a lot of variety, and it was whatever we needed it to be. Okay. So I was the second kid, so I was still kind of a guinea pig. <laughs> um, but we had already found some really good programs to use uh, when we got to me. So, so in your younger ages, how hands-on was your mom with teaching? Um, very hands-on. And we always, we always tried to make it very tactile and very visual. Mm -hmm. um, so right now I'm doing online school. So it's about as... as, as <laughs> yeah. It's the opposite of tactile. It's the opposite of visual. It's all on one screen and it's... Um, I'm just looking at words on a page and then producing words on a page. But as a kid, we did a lot of math manipulatives where we could actually touch the concepts mm. and feel the concepts and move them around. Or phonetics where we would actually look at and move around and touch and put together words and phrases. Um, and yeah, and, and with reading, there would be picture books and and we would read... Uh, stories with pictures or we would copy verses with illustrations um, so I think it was very tactile at first and then as we began to grasp concepts like addition and subtraction 
by using marbles or blocks, um, then we could do more and more of it in our heads. Um, so it was very hands-on at first, and mom was directly overseeing and teaching us individually. Okay. Um, so she taught Ab individually, and then when there were two of us, she would take time to do uh, to teach me individually, and she would also have Ab join in in what, what I was learning. Um, so it was very, yeah, it was very hands-on. And then by the time we got to high school, we were able to um, run our own schedule. So mom didn't teach. I think she maybe taught two of my courses in high school. The rest, I were self-taught. So she would give me the textbook or give mm-hmm. me the workbook, um, give me deadlines, and then I would just do it and turn it into her. She'd check the work and we'd move on. Um, but most of the, the real learning was me reading uh, the material by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes we did uh, dual credit courses at our community college or some online classes. Um, but even those were, were pretty much self-directed. Okay. Um, so as you got older, your mom became less hands-on and you became more independent. Yeah. Um, so I just want to get on how much time each day did you spend like learning and like reading textbooks and doing classwork and stuff like that? We never really measured it. It used to be more planned out. We used to have... Um, 30 minute segments where I would know exactly what I was supposed to do for each 30 minutes of my entire day. Um, and I don't remember, we usually ended school at around, I don't know, two or three, starting at like eight or nine um, each morning. But it was more about what we would accomplish than how much time we spent. So we would have, we would start with objectives for all of education. What do you need to have mastered by the time you graduate high school? What are the Texas requirements for a high school diploma? And then we'd work backwards from there. Okay, if you have to have uh, three or four years of of science, then um, we'll set those four years aside and then prepare you to be able to take those classes in elementary school, middle school, et cetera. Um, Same with like history, government, English, Um, So we would work backwards a lot of the time, and we would split it up from year to year. Uh, So mom would do all of that planning beforehand, and then I would know this is what I have to accomplish in one year. And then we'd split that up into weeks, and then the weeks up into days, um, and then I could do it at my own pace. So some days I'd get done with school at noon. Some days I would procrastinate or not follow my schedule, and I'd be doing school till 8 p.m. Um, some day, some years, we would fall a few weeks behind and catch up over the summer. Some years we would get way ahead, and then we'd be able to take a vacation. It just it was very flexible, um, but it was focused on what did you accomplish instead of how much time did you spend learning got it um so did you ever do a co-op yes we we've done several co-ops the one i remember most was when i did i think for five years and what is a co-op for people who don't know um so a co-op it's short for a cooperative um it's usually a they can, they can be structured differently, but it's a bunch of homes, homeschool families coming together to help each other 
to teach or to learn different subjects. So mom hates teaching science. <laughs> so she sent us to a co-op um, where we had some, some of the parents had degrees in science and they loved teaching science. Mm. So they would offer okay. like a chemistry class. And so we'd go to co-op, we would select three, three classes for each kid. So there would be three periods. Um, and for one of those periods, I would take a science class. So I would go home, do my homework, uh, work by myself throughout the, the week. And then instead of turning in my assignments to mom, I would turn them into my teacher and we'd get some classroom participation um, every week. So how often did you, would you go into like this class? Like once a week, twice a week, or like what would that look like? We did once a week uh, for three periods, sometimes four periods. A couple of semesters we extended it, but usually it was three classes once a week. Okay. And like how many classes would you take in a year usually around? How many subjects? Um, I really don't know. It depends. It it varied from year to year, and it depends on what you count as a subject. Like, is our piano lessons, um, does that count as part of the curriculum, or is that like an extracurricular? What about basketball practice? Um, so I think it kind of varies, but I don't know, maybe nine. <laughs> and how much freedom did you have in like, oh, I want to take... Chinese or I want to take um, like this kind like elective you know like how much freedom did you mm -hmm. have over that to like kind of pick what you wanted to study well my mom's favorite phrase is I care what you want but it has very little to do with how I make my decisions yeah so we would have a lot of input hey I hate math I don't want to take piano <laughs> oh I love to read I wish I could just read all day we would say things like that as kids, and mom would take that into account and then tell us to keep doing math. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, we had some flexibility, and um, I, think, I think our input had more to do with the amount of time we spent doing each subject and less to do with which subjects we wanted to do. Okay. Because you have to get the high school diploma. You have to do everything involved. Um, but I had the option to take piano or switch to guitar after I had taken piano for a few years. Mm -hmm. I had the option to um, take math online or do it uh, on paper. So there was, there were, we were involved in the decision making process, mm -hmm. um, but she mostly directed it. So, for your high school diploma, for like your GED, did you have to take a test for that? Nope. How does that work? With the, Is there like a homeschooling association or like how does that work? How do you get accredited, um, I guess? It's really easy to do it in Texas. The laws are very pro-homeschooling. Um, and by easy, I mean straightforward, not like we're cutting corners and not getting a real education. Um, but mom would have to put together a transcript demonstrating uh, all of the subjects we covered and the grades we got for each one um, and how many how many credit hours mm -hmm. um, each uh, each subject was um, she would also keep all of our work um, for a few years so if if uh, the Texas government ever um, wanted proof that we had done the subjects that we said we had done we would be able to produce 
stacks and stacks of, of so with the, math homework that we had turned in. How did grades years. work? Grades worked pretty much like grades anywhere work. Um, there's a there's a rubric. There's percentages. Uh, each project or assignment you do goes towards a certain percentage of your grade. Um, you get A's, B's, C's, etc. Okay, and so is it? So there's a homeschooling association, right, in Texas that you guys were like a part of, I guess, or um, how did that, like, logistically and practically, how did were you involved with that? Do you know? I was not involved with any of that ever. Right, right. <laughs> I did you know help not, like, put yeah. together my transcript for my college applications. Okay. Uh, but that's it. There was no test we had to take. There was no government document. Um, colleges accept a transcript that's signed by my mother. Interesting. So yeah. do you know if um, how colleges view homeschool kids rather than public school or private school kids when they look at the transcript? Yeah, uh, they are, do you know for if the any most part... disadvantages, or what do you know of that? Yeah, so for the most part, uh, colleges view homeschooled students very favorably um, because homeschooling has been around for a while now, and the results are, are pretty clear. Homeschooled students are driven, they're self-motivated, they tend to work hard and get good grades, and that's reflected in how they've done um, in college. So most colleges, uh, it was it was very easy. The application process was pretty much identical to what it would have been uh, if we were public schooled. Um, instead of putting the name of your school, you select homeschool. <laughs> so it's pretty straightforward, and most colleges really love homeschooling. I think the disadvantage would be you don't have the helpful comparison like I was valedictorian or I was the top 10% of my class, um, which affects some more competitive schools. But we did take the the PSAT, the ACT, the SAT, um, and so that helped us to, yeah, to get like an, an objective standard. Yeah, so I talked to a former admissions officer i forget where Mm -hmm. he was an officer at but he so i talked to him about it and he said that um the only thing different about how they view homeschoolers is that they just put a bigger emphasis on or a bigger focus on um test scores such as Mm -hmm. sat psat and like act um rather than like gpa so that's what i yeah so like it just accounts for a lot more influence um, how you're viewed um, through your test scores. Yeah, that makes sense. Because if you were to see a string of A pluses accompanied by a lower than average ACT score, you'd think something's off here. Right, right. Who but, was grading this child? But yeah, but he yeah. also told me there's not a disadvantage. They, they Like homeschoolers aren't viewed right. as inferior yeah. or lesser than like other kids. It's just a bigger emphasis on... SAT, ACT. And that's been my my experience, too. Did you ever take, like, AP or IB exams or anything like that? I didn't. Uh, Some of my siblings did. Um, I don't like studying for tests. So I guess that's where my input came in. 
I protested loudly when mom suggested that I take a few CLEP tests and AP tests. Um, I told her that I would rather take a real class and do all of the work than than test out. Um, And so that's what I did. I could have tested out of a few classes that I chose to take instead. Um, But yeah, CLEP and AP can be really helpful because... It's just a few more things to add to your transcript that are objectively graded and can be compared with the rest of the country. So I want to understand more the homeschooling culture and vibe mm-hmm. um, in the manner of like, I don't know, like, what was it like? Would you get together with other homeschool kids or like how... Would you make friends and like all that kind of stuff? Sports, mm-hmm. um, extracurricular like clubs and stuff. Um, so can you talk a little bit about that yeah. and how you would get involved with like other kids? Yeah. So the fear of most people who are hesitant to try homeschooling or kids who are hesitant uh, to go along with what their parents have chosen for them. Uh, one, one thing that everybody complains about or asks about is socialization. Uh, do you have friends? How does that work? Are you socially awkward? Are we going to survive? Um, th- those are questions we get a lot. Um, in my experience, uh, it's been remarkably social. Uh, we always were involved in a co-op of some sort. So that's okay. already a once a week thing. Right. Uh, we were pretty involved in our church. So that's another once a week thing. Mm-hmm. Um, for a couple years, actually for most of my life, I I took dance, which was one, two, sometimes five times a week. So that's another social activity. A lot of my siblings did sports. So that's two, three times a week. And with these um, gymnastics. Like club sports? Yeah. Uh, some I, of them I've were heard club of, sports. I've heard of some private schools letting like homeschoolers mm-hmm. like join the team. Yeah. So I'm not super knowledgeable about sports because I don't play them and I don't like them and I stick to <laughs> dance, music, and art. But there was a there was a law passed a couple years ago um, allowing homeschoolers to participate in competitive sports with other as if they were a school. Mm, yeah, um, okay. So that yeah. gave rise to a few homeschool organizations like HSAA uh, and other things. I forget the names of them. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so you can compete in club sports or you can... Uh, join a homeschool league and compete against other public or private schools. Um, there's a lot of opportunities. And in Texas especially, because the homeschooling population is so big, that there are just more options. Okay. So did you ever feel like you were missing out being homeschooled? Um, that's a good question. I think there were times where I wished I had gone to school but the overwhelming majority of the time I was thankful for homeschooling and I was thankful for the flexibility and I I had friends and I had meaningful things to do and I enjoyed learning and yeah I feel like I had I had what I needed I was I was content um, and if I wanted to change my life, it probably in the, it, I would, I would have wanted to, uh, 
take the easy route and do less piano practice and less math. Mm -hmm. Um, But that was just my immaturity speaking. So looking back, I I don't think I would have changed anything. Interesting. Um, So you did your first couple years of college at ORU, right? Mm -hmm. And that's Oral Roberts University in Tulsa. Um, so that was your first, like, kind of, like, institutionalized education experience? Almost. Almost. Um, I also took dual credit in high school. I took a lot of advanced math classes and a lot of dance classes. Um, so I had, like, I don't remember how many credits, 18 credit hours by the time I graduated high school that I had taken in person on a college campus. Um so I think that was my first institutionalized learning experience and it was fairly disappointing. Uh, How so? I think I had learned to teach myself Hmm. um, well enough or yeah well enough to where I was better off teaching myself a concept out of a textbook than trying to follow a teacher maybe with a heavy accent or uh, who talked too fast or who didn't have the best handwriting um, or who maybe was just an underpaid community college professor. But in general, I had more success when I was teaching myself the material than when I was um, participating in classes. So the main, the question I want to get at is in with your experience with like institutionalized education, did you ever academically struggle? No. No. Nope. <laughs> uh, I got one B in high school and mom gave it to me. Uh, yeah, college was was really pretty easy. I felt like I had already been doing it for four years because I had. Um, and it was, yeah, it wasn't that challenging. In fact, that's my biggest complaint about college. And I transferred schools and now I'm taking a more, I don't know, let's get this out of the way approach rather than a I want to soak in every moment approach mm-hmm. because I didn't find college work challenging enough. And some of the classes weren't very well structured. So I felt like we were spending a lot of time doing things that weren't very worthwhile uh there were a few classes that were very well designed with good assignments that actually forced us to learn that I was excited to participate in where I really enjoyed the classroom participation and the discussion and the spending time face to face with my professors um but the majority of it was was not as challenging as what I had in high school and why do you think it wasn't as challenging I think it's because I was able to uh, to take an individualized approach. So I know that I am a visual learner. Um, I don't do well uh, just hearing things. I have to see it in front of me. Um, and I also am very motivated by uh, discussion, um, less, less so by just listening to lectures. Um, So I've learned things about myself and I know what gets me excited. And if I'm excited, I really learn. And if I'm excited, I I put a lot of effort into it. So if there's an assignment that interests me, that makes me want to figure it out, 
that's my best learning experience rather than uh, listen to these lectures, answer these questions, write this paper. Mm-hmm. So is it, so you, did you find college academically easy because of, I guess, just the study habits that you've gained through homeschool? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So um, do you know why your parents decided to homeschool initially? Like from the very beginning? Yeah, I do what actually. Was, what were the reasons? Um, there were a few. The main reason was they felt responsible to train up a child in the way that he should go so that when he's old, he will not depart from it, which is the Bible verse that they, um, yeah, that they structured our school around. Uh, so they, they viewed their responsibility as parents to extend beyond dropping off your kid at school, bringing them home and asking them how their day went. Mm -hmm. Um, they wanted to be more involved in shaping our worldviews and helping us to discover math and science and how God made the earth. Um, and they wanted, they were very concerned about the, the worldviews that are now being taught in the public school system. Mm-hmm. It's not, I think originally the goal was to strip education of religious influences, um, but the result has been uh, infusing education with anti-religious views mm. um, because it's impossible not to take a stance on something no matter what you learn no matter what you right. uh, what you do you're doing it from a certain worldview from a certain standpoint mm-hmm. so when separation of church and state led to legalizing any sort of christian influences in the classroom um, that was replaced by a blatantly atheistic um, liberal point of view mm-hmm. Um, and they, they, they knew that that was the case. And so rather than send us to school and then work extra hard to reverse the influences, um, they opted to uh, teach us from home so that they could help us to see the world through the lens of Christianity. Okay, so it wasn't more of a lack of faith in the education system in that they aren't qualified or they're not doing a good job mm-hmm. in teaching whatever subjects they're teaching is more I'd say that was a secondary motivation but okay. it was definitely there like I said um, we had the advantage of taking an individualized approach um, I know some some teachers who are very good at what they do but the fact is they're teaching 30 kids who are learning at different speeds Um, who have interest in different areas, who come from different backgrounds, who have different family situations. And it's it's impossible um, to give them each exactly what they need. Uh, You end up giving most Mm. of them, hopefully, what they most need. Do you think some kids are better equipped for a more, like, formal, formal schooling rather than homeschooling? Yeah, I think that structure is really important, and you have to work hard to create that while homeschooling. Uh, For example, I'm very deadline motivated. If I have a deadline and I know that I have to meet it, then I will do the work. 
but if the deadline's flexible and I'm just supposed to turn it in whenever it's done, it will become less and less of a priority um, until sometimes I avoid it entirely. So there were some years where um, I would I would accidentally skip an entire subject for an entire semester because the deadlines weren't mm, uh, very yeah. consistently enforced. And that is challenging, but I think the the solution is to build self-discipline and um, obedience really is key. If I didn't respect my mom, if I didn't know that I had to obey her, if I didn't know that when she told me to turn it in on Friday by two, that it meant turn it in on Friday by two, um, then I think it would have been impossible to have the kind of structure that I needed to be able to learn. Um, fortunately, I, I do respect my mother and I do know how to obey and know how to have self-discipline and self-control. Okay, do you think... Okay, you have seven siblings. Uh-huh. One older and six younger. Yeah. And they're all homeschooled. Do, do any of them... And they all seem pretty fine with it. They all seem pretty content <laughs> with it and, like, yeah. not... Like, oh, I hate homeschooling. I want to go to school. Yeah. Would I, is that wrong? Or, like, would I you think, say the same? Yeah. I think the reason why we all have such a such a positive view of homeschooling is because mom and dad let us in on the decision-making process. They didn't just say, this is what we're doing. You better, you better do it. They said, this is why we're doing what we're doing. Um, and the older we got, the more influence, the more impact input is the word I'm looking for, the more input we had. Um, but also as we grew, the more understanding we had about how and why mom and dad made the decisions that they did um, to the point where uh, maybe maybe even freshman year of high school, we were on the same page and it wasn't mom saying, here's what I need you to do. It was me saying, okay, let's do this. What mm. do I need to do? We were working together towards a goal. So the decision to homeschool began as my mom and dad's decision, um, but as I was able to understand it, uh, it became my decision too. The reason why I ask is because um, I feel like um, some kids can work, like can be very like effective and successful being homeschooled and then there are some kids that need that structure in mm -hmm. an institutionalized schooling, and something very formal, and having a teacher in a classroom and all of that enforcement. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm trying to ask, is it like... Is, is it ever those, a good choice? Well, 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 are those kids that need yeah. that schooling, Is it? do they only need it because they were... Um, not brought up in school in homeschooling their whole life or is it that um so if if like from birth they've all their all they've known is homeschooling then they're fine mm -hmm. but if you like send them i don't know k through third grade to like an actual public school and then you try to homeschool them and then they don't react the same yeah um do you get what I'm trying to ask? I don't yeah, know how to articulate I do. it. There's definitely a principle there, and that's that once you, uh, once you relinquish uh, control, it's hard to get it back. So when 
uh, when a mother. Or I guess a father... My question is okay. Yeah, the control yeah. part. So if uh, if everyone just was raised from birth as homeschooling, mm-hmm. do you think everyone would be like success su- su- as successful as if they just went to like a public school or private school? Um, I think so. But let me explain why I think that is um, before I just give you a yes or no answer. Yeah. Um, the, the principle is it's hard to regain control once you've lost it. Um, and I don't mean control in like a manipulative sense. But if I understand that mom is my authority when it comes to schoolwork, mm-hmm. um, then I am able to. It's the same kind of structure that you would have in a, in a classroom. There's a room, I'm in it, there's a teacher, she's in charge of me. Um, But once you send a kid to school, you're no longer their authority. You no longer are telling them what their assignments are and when they're due. You've given that job to someone else. Um, So it's hard to take it back. You have to retrain yourself as a teacher and a parent, and you have to retrain your kid too. Um, they have to get used to seeing you as the the classroom authority instead of their teacher. Um, I also think that uh, learning in the home uh, from your parents has been a lot around for a lot longer than institutionalized learning, um, and it's worked. <laughs> uh, so I think there's. Um, one of the questions that you, you might be getting at is, is it ever a good idea to public school? If I've had such a positive experience, would I ever advise someone else to send their kids to public school? Well, that's another thing with like, yeah. do you think, well, do you think some, not all, I don't think all parents are equipped to homeschool. Okay. Adequately and successfully and effectively. Yeah. Would you agree with that? I think that can be true, but I think a lot more are equipped than they realize. Because um, it can be daunting. It's scary. Mm-hmm. Like, I have so much influence over this little kid's life already. Um, but to take upon myself the responsibility for educating them, I'm not a teacher. I'm not, I didn't go to school to study that. I don't have a diploma, I don't have a degree. Um, so I think it can be daunting. It can be scary at first. But. Uh, what I would tell a parent who's considering homeschooling you know your kid you know what works for them you know how they learn um, and you're able to adapt to fit that Um, and there's curriculum out there Uh, people have already done the hard work of teaching Um, really the only thing that needs to be done is you need to assess what would help your kid the most and just buy some books <laughs> it's I think it's a lot easier than it's seen as and I think a lot more people are equipped to do it than they realize and do you think it's easy to equip yourself to do it I don't think it's easy I think it's possible for sure okay so do you do you plan on having kids I do plan on having do kids. do you plan on homeschooling them I think so yes yeah yeah okay so your mom is this the main um, instructor in the whole, the whole homeschooling thing with the whole family, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. What if you? What if your mom and your dad switched roles and your dad was the main orchestrator? How do you think things would have played out? Um, I think it would have worked. We actually did that for a while. Um, for one year, my mom was paralyzed, 
um, and pretty much unable to function regularly at all. Uh, and during that time, dad did take over the responsibility for our education. Uh, he delegated a lot of it because he also had a full-time job. Um, but he was the main, he was our principal. He's always been our principal. Right, right. We say mom's our teacher, dad's the principal. Um, but he did take on the full responsibility that year. Um, he's also taken on the responsibility of teaching several classes at a time. So that co-op that I said we attended mm. um, for about five years, um, usually mom was the, the teacher who would go with us, teach a class, teach other kids mm-hmm. um, while we took other classes. But for, I think, two, maybe three different years, dad was the one teaching. I think he taught physics once. He taught um, introduction to engineering. He taught like a like an inventing class. Um, and did either of your parents have any background in education? Nope. No, they did not. So, um, so you know how like some like professors, professors and teachers they explain it in a way where you don't fully get it, but maybe someone like a classmate can explain it in a different way where you get it. Mm-hmm. Do you think that um, that either your mom or your dad, like they explained it in different ways in which like uh, one way was harder to understand than the other? Oh, that's a good question. Um, yes, I think, I think it de- depends on the subject. Um, mom and I think very similarly so for a lot of things uh, she would be able to explain something in a way that I would get it Um, but dad is was always our go-to when it comes to math Um, and so sometimes I would come to him with a with a calculus problem Um, and mom took calculus but it was years and years ago and Mm -hmm. uh, she just would prefer not to have to dredge up all of that information uh, so dad will do it and um, yeah I think he's he's more equipped for that uh, because he's kept it fresh he's been using it um, whereas mom kind of kept calculus on the back burner which I've done too I haven't done math in five years <laughs> <laughs> well the reason why I ask because there's plenty yeah. of people out there like professors that are super smart geniuses yeah, but they absolutely. just aren't able to articulate it in a way where someone who is just learning it can understand it easily because like they have such a firm grasp on the subject they kind of don't see like yes okay mom does that with piano she can play anything anything ever by ear perfectly she's just this incredible pianist but she cannot break it down yeah. She doesn't know what her brain is doing. So did your she doesn't know did how either of your parents have yeah. that issue of um, not able to like explain it to you in a way that you understood? Mom did in piano, in piano, so she sent us to a different piano teacher. Okay. Yeah, um, and I think the same goes for like she didn't even try to teach us science. She hates science. She didn't want to, so she just sent us to a different teacher. Um, but also, it's not always about sending us to a different teacher. It's about sending us straight to the textbook. Um, and I think most of us uh, are pretty good at that. We're pretty good at looking at the textbook, reading it, finding the information, and teaching ourselves the concepts. And we use tools like Google 
um, to help us do that, YouTube. But if we had been, uh, if we weren't equipped to do that ourselves, we would have found another way. Um, so if there was a Malone kid who really could not synthesize and understand information straight out of the textbook, we would find a different curriculum that had more interactive videos, or we would find a different teacher um, who could offer a class at a nearby co-op, or we would hire a private tutor. Like, we'd figure it out. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. I think it's just, it's just a matter of finding out what the need is and then finding the best or easiest way to provide that kind of teaching. Okay. And from homeschooling with such a large family, how do you think that played into um, how the family dynamic was? Uh, I think it had a, a lot of different impacts, but I think it was overwhelmingly positive. We, we learned to interact with each other. We learned very early on that um, like I, I'm not the center of the universe. I'm not the only person who matters. I'm not mom's, own, mom's only student. She's got seven other people to worry about. Um, and I think that was very positive. Um, it just it just forced us to learn not to be selfish or not to be self-centered because we literally were not the center of our universe. Mm. I think it also helped me to be able to interact with people of different ages. I didn't feel like I needed to have someone who is exactly my age in order to build a friendship with them. I am pretty good friends with my nine-year-old sister and our relationship's different than my relationship with um, my my 23-year-old sister. But at the same time, I know how to interact with people of different ages. And I think that was really beneficial. Uh, we also learned how to work together and how to help each other. And I think maybe most importantly, we learned how how amazing it can be to take responsibility for things. So as a kid, I was I was so eager to learn how um, or to, to to help mom with what she was doing. I wanted to learn how to make cookies. Mm. And then as soon as I started to have more little siblings, I wanted to do what mom was doing and to turn around and help teach them. Um, so I was eager to be teaching my little sister math manipulatives or to be teaching my my little brother phonics uh it's it really became a privilege to be able to help with family life and i think that attitude has helped us all in life we are we we realize that it's it's an honor and a privilege to be given the responsibility for something it's work is something that you can appreciate and enjoy and feel satisfied in. So you talk about working with like your younger siblings and teaching them, and I know how you do piano lessons with them now. Mm -hmm. um, so you're in this authoritative um, position. So how does that play into you being a sister versus you being um, more of like a parent? Um, <laughs> sometimes it feels a little bit similar. Uh, the difference is my authority over them is uh, is limited to, for Emmy, between 10.30 and 11.15 on Monday mornings. Um, so in those 45 minutes, I'm her piano teacher and she has to obey me and she realizes that. Um, before and after, I can say, hey, 
Are you going to practice piano today? But I can't force her to. I'm not going to I'm not going to be disciplining her. I'm not going to be talking to her about her sin issues. I'm not going to be spanking her. Um, but you're right. There is a is a level of authority there. And I think something that we uh, kind of had to work through as little kids was how to handle that authority well. So we learned how to teach kindly, how to explain something without being patronizing. Um, we learned how to help each other without feeling um, subservient to like my older mm. sister when she would help me. So did you ever feel like more of a parent figure than a sister in any of your siblings' <laughs> life? Yes, I felt like more of a parent figure, uh, mostly during that year when mom was paralyzed because a lot of the you? responsibility fell to me. I was 14. Okay. Yeah. Do you do you still feel like a parent figure? Some <laughs> of them? Sometimes. Sometimes, but not like overall? Yeah, not overall. I don't, I don't feel this, this constant awareness of responsibility that I see mom feeling. Um, like she, she always knows where her kids are and what their needs are. And she's always looking at the day-to-day things and also at like the, the year-to-year things. And I'll hear her say things like, I wonder if... Vic needs more fill in the blank Mm -hmm. or I think that Gid is falling behind in such and such a thing or wow we really need to be eating more vegetables and Mm -hmm. I think those um she's just always assessing what our needs are and how she can best fulfill them and what we're excelling in and what we're struggling in and I don't feel that as a sister I can come in and out and trust that they're taking care of when I leave and I can appreciate, like I can just, like yesterday we were all in the kitchen, we were laughing and talking and it was, it was just a really funny conversation. And I was just looking at, at Liddy as she was telling this joke and her personality was just shining through. And I felt so, so proud of her. And so uh, I, I felt that kind of motherly sense of, wow, these kids are amazing. And mm. I have gotten the privilege of growing up as their older sister and seeing them come into their own personality and seeing them literally grow up. My little brother's taller than me. Um, so I think it, it's that sort of motherly feeling towards them, but I'm, I'm not their mother and I, I don't feel that responsibility and I'm not, it's not something that I'm anxious about. It's, I'm not taking mom's responsibilities away from her. I'm just, I'm just really enjoying the privilege of seeing these kids grow up and having a hand in what they learn. So you're you just turned 22, right? Mm-hmm. And you have a nine-year-old sister that's the youngest. Yep. Do you ever feel feel like a caregiver? Yeah, I do. Um, but I. And that doesn't. It doesn't play, bother me. <laughs> it doesn't bother you. It doesn't play into like the role of a parent. Um, I mean. It sort of does. But even though you feel like a caregiver, you can still feel like a sister at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. What I try to do is, I think the temptation over over the years has been to 
um, to take more responsibility than I should or to feel that I'm their authority when I'm not. Um, so what I've really enjoyed is is being able to step away from that kind of teaching uh, position and into a friend position. So this morning I took uh, you <laughs> and Liddy and Gid to coffee and I bought mm. them coffee and we just sat there and, and worked on some things mm-hmm. and then we drove home. Uh, I've taken them on, on little sibling dates before where I can I can take that older sibling role where I'm like, hey, let's go do something fun. I'll pay for you. But at the same time, we're just having fun together. I remember once, I think it was... Uh, it was while well, I was still in high school, senior year. So it was probably like four years ago, um, and I took Vic to coffee. And how, how old was she? <laughs> she, was, she was oh, how old was she? She's probably seven, nine, because she's eleven now, so she was eight or nine. Okay. Um, yeah, I remember okay, taking her to coffee, and it was this cute little coffee shop that was all pink. It was like XOXO coffee. Um, and I was going to buy her a hot chocolate. And I noticed as we got out of the car that she was walking like five feet behind me. And I was just, I was, mm-hmm. I was walking and, and she was following. Yeah. And I thought, this doesn't, this isn't right. <laughs> so I, I turned around and I said, Vic, you can walk beside me. Like, yeah. we're just going to get coffee. We're friends. You don't have to feel like you're following my lead. Like, we're just doing this fun thing together. And so she stepped up a few paces, and then we walked together to the coffee shop, had a nice conversation over some hot chocolate, and then we came home. Okay. So what are going on, like, sibling dates and on that um, topic? What are field trips like in homeschooling? (laughs) Um, I think the nice thing about homeschooling is you can call anything a field trip and feel like you're accomplishing something. (laughs) It's this great feeling of productivity. Um, so our field trips have been very varied, um, and yeah, I think (laughs) the, the fun thing is homeschooling has allowed us to see the learning opportunities everywhere. Um, and I, I love learning. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm unusual in that, but I, I get so excited about learning new things and, I remember uh, we went on a like a road trip once. We drove all the way to Florida, so through like how many right. states? Six different ones. Yeah, around six. And I like I remember thinking, oh, I want to learn about these. Like I want to learn about the differences in state government mm. from state to state. And I want to like I want to turn this family road trip into an educational opportunity. Maybe I went a little overboard. <laughs> But I, I get excited about learning wherever we go. So some examples of, of field trips, I just did air quotes for those of you who are listening. Field trips that we've taken uh, are, we did a bring your kid to work day at Texas Instruments once, that was memorable. Um, we went to Washington DC after a speech and debate tournament and um, spent a few days just touring the city. Mm-hmm. Um, we went to a, a print money printing factory once. I don't remember the details, but I was I was pretty little, and I just thought it was amazing. 
um, once we went to Krispy Kreme Donuts and we learned how the donuts go through this conveyor belt and how it works, and then we got free donuts at the end. That's nice. Um, yeah, field trips are always fun. Anything can be a field trip. You just ask questions, learn things, try to gain a new perspective that you haven't seen before. So you talked about speech and debate, and I, like pretty much everyone that I know in the homeschooling world, they've had like some connection with speech yeah. and debate. Um, so, um, like, how was that, like, what, what was that like, being in a part of speech and debate? Um, speech and debate did a lot for me. Um, for one, it was um, the place where I think most of my lasting friendships started. And how long did you do it for? I did it for seven years, I think. Yeah. Okay. Well, and you started? maybe six total. We took, like, a year off in the middle of there somewhere. So I started when I was 12, okay. and then I did it on and off, mostly on, until I graduated high school at 18. So yeah, I love speech and debate because it's so much more than learning how to speak. Um, it's, it's about learning how to, how to research, how to acquire information, how to come to conclusions, how to organize and structure what you've learned and present it to someone who's never heard of the topic before. Um, so that can be applied in, in so many different ways. Even what we've been talking about, about like um, communicating in the way that a particular child can understand it the best. Uh, that was a skill I learned largely through speech and debate. You have to assess what the misunderstanding is, where the missing information is, and see how you can best um, clarify and best present um, the the subject. So we did a lot of that in debate. Oh, I learned so much in debate, but I, I also learned so much in speech. Um, some of my favorite speeches were uh, illustrated oratory, where I got to put my my art skills to work and my my tactile visual learning got to put that on display and share that with the judges um so i would i had like seven or eight different boards that i would decorate however i wanted to illustrate what i was talking about mm. um another uh, speech event was open interpretation where i would take a book and turn it into a script cut it down to 10 minutes and then act out that story in front of the judges. So I got to tap into some some theater, even musical theater at times, um, acting, uh, again, more more presentation, learning how to, how to be polished and to use facial expressions, and it was just a lot of fun. I'm really thankful for speech and debate, what it taught me, and also the opportunities that it gave me to connect with other students in Texas, nearby and far away, and around the country. So I have friends this everywhere. So like solely like a homeschooling association? It or? was. Okay. Yeah, NCFCA is what we participated in, National Communication and Forensics Association. NCFCA. I think that's all the letters. <laughs> okay, and it's for homeschool kids. National Christian Forensics oh, and okay. Communication yeah. Association. There's the other C. Yeah. So it was for students that were homeschooled. So I think you had to be 
you could go to a, like a like a two days a week school or even three days a week, but I think the majority of your schooling had to be at home in order to qualify for the program. So it was a great opportunity that I don't think we would have had if it weren't for homeschooling. So like how many, so were all your friends pretty much like homeschooled kids? Um. Or I guess you could get some non-homeschooled kids from church. Yeah. You know, I a lot of them were homeschoolers, but a lot of my uh, college friends were not. So while I was taking dual credit college, oh, okay. um, I makes was sense. kind of more involved and where did with you, the circles Was it there. just at the community college in uh-huh. Plano, Dallas area? Yes, so okay. it's Spring Creek uh, campus. Okay. And how did that, how does dual credit work? Um, Is it just like you're actually just taking a course with yeah. like a community college? Yeah, let's answer dual credit and then I'll get back to uh, public school friends. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. so dual credit is a great program where you can take a college course as a high school student during high school. Um, and so it, it counts as uh, working towards your high school diploma. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you're saving up college credit. Um, for when you go to college, those credits will transfer in. Um, so it was a great experience, uh, not necessarily because I learned so much from the amazing community college professors, but more because I was able to experience classroom learning and what it's like to, to work on a, on a college schedule, which is usually structured pretty differently than most high schools. Um, and at the same time, it just it saved a lot of time because I was able to take um, college algebra, trigonometry, pre-calculus, calculus um, in high school, and then those transferred straight to college, and I didn't have to worry about any of my math credits. Um, so that's dual credit. Back to your question about public-schooled friends. I did have a lot of public-schooled friends, and that was through dance. Okay. Um, so I got really serious about dance sophomore year of high school, and for three years I was involved in two different studios, um, also community college classes, and I had like a private tutor, and I would test um, Chiquetti Ballet levels. Uh, so I met a lot of people during that, and that was like my public school experience, um, and a lot of my friends there um, were not homeschoolers. So that kind of helped to open the bubble that I had been living in for most of my life. Okay, if you could compare and contrast the homeschooled friends compared to the public school friends, mm-hmm. what were their um, similarities, differences, pros, cons? Like, what did you see different? What did you mm-hmm. see the same? So the best... Uh, I guess the best example of this would have been once I got to ORU, um, yeah, there was just a very wide variety of people with very different backgrounds, and it it was no harder to connect with a public schooled student than it was with a homeschooled student. Okay. Um, it was also frequently very difficult to tell which of my friends had been homeschooled or public schooled without asking them. Um, There were some where I could just, I just had a feeling they were homeschooled and I ended up being right. And that could have been uh, the way they they dressed or act or the respect for authority. Um, But more often than not, I could tell a homeschooler by his or her 
a zeal for learning. Mm. So in a lot of my honors classes, there were people who were just so excited to learn, and they were very vocal in our classroom discussions, and they were um, just very hardworking individuals. And yeah, I think more often than not, those are homeschooled. Um, But yeah, that was my experience with the mixed bag that Oral Roberts was. So you talked about like a lot of people from different backgrounds and stuff. Mm -hmm. So do you, do you think it, it's a definite, a definite like plus going to more of an institutionalized education system where you are surrounded by different people of different backgrounds of different thinking. Yeah. Different mindsets. So I think that it's, it's got to happen at some point. Um, I think it, it's really healthy and good to be fairly sheltered as a kid. Um, when I have kids, I don't, I don't want to expose them to just the horrors of the world um, before they're ready to handle it. And that's, I mean, that's a very general principle. Um, no one lets a, lets a five-year-old watch an R-rated movie. Um, so I think the principle of keeping your kids sheltered um, at a young age is universal, public schooling or homeschooling. Um, but if we're talking about like the kind of circles that we live in, uh, you've got to pop that bubble at some point. So for me, the bubble of the homeschool Christian community, um, I started to break out of that through dance sophomore year. And that was just a little bit here and there. And then at, at ORU, it was, it was definitely a bigger bubble Um, And it wasn't just homeschoolers. It was all sorts of people. But it was still, the majority of them were Christian. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it wasn't until uh, this summer, actually, I went to Berkeley School of Music and I was there for five weeks. I think that's the first time where I was totally outside of the Christian community, um, like a, a thousand miles away from the Christian community, uh, for an extended period of time. So that's not to say I've never spoken with an unbeliever in right, my right, life right. up until this summer. Yeah, yeah. But I get what you're saying. it was overwhelmingly um, either ignorant of Christianity or uh, indifferent to Christianity or even antagonistic towards Christianity. And I think that's a point that I had to reach at some point in my life. Do you wish you reached it earlier? You know, I, I don't. I can see, and I don't think this is like a, I think this is my personal view. Um, I think that God was pretty intentional about the family he placed me in and the experiences Mm. he walked me through. Um, And I think the timing was just right. I think I was prepared for Berkeley and I, I just, I loved it. I loved being I had really found, I made my faith my own at that point. Um, It started to happen when I graduated high school and did a year with a Christian dance company. Started to be more and more independent. It became my faith and not just my family's. And then at school, even more, it was was me deciding I want to follow God. uh, Totally apart from my parents' influence. And Berkeley was even more so, I was out on my own. Um, testing my faith. Does my faith stand up against 
all of these atheist musicians from every corner of the world? And the answer was yes, it does. And I was able to share some of that with them. Um, So I'm glad that it happened exactly when it happened. But I think God can use all sorts of exposure. Do you wish you were in that kind of environment for a longer period of time? No. Wait, which kind of environment? Um, like at Berkeley where you're out of like your Christian bubble. Um, well, I, I mean, yes, but I know that it will happen, so I'm not overly concerned in getting there now. Um, I live in the middle of... Well, the reason of... why I asked is because, like, do you, do you want that experience to, like, so you get a better idea of what is to come later on in life? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, yeah, the Berkeley experience was, was different because I didn't have a, a church family that I was plugged into. Okay. It was just me and my sister against the world. Um, I live in D.C. now. I live with my family currently, and I I am plugged into a church. Um, But it's a lot like Berkeley. I'm encountering people every day who are indifferent or antagonistic towards Christianity. Um, So I I kind of am living in that environment, and I I don't want to hide from the world. I'm thankful for the sheltered life that I grew up in um that bubble that protective bubble of christianity and i think that's uh that really helped my faith to grow strong um but now that i'm 22 and my faith is my own and i know what i what i believe and why um i think it would be it would be sad if i if i didn't have frequent contact with and exposure to the world outside of christianity well, you you express this love for or this passion for um, learning, and hence growing. So I I would think that you would want to get out of this bubble to to grow more as a person. Yeah. Yeah. Would 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 you agree with that? Yeah, I think yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um. So we talked about tutors. So like how. What if you would per, put a per- percent doing your homeschooling on a percentage on how much you were taught um, from other people and how much you were taught from your mom? Um. Okay, it's probably hard to estimate, but before high school, I would say it was eighty percent my mom. 20% Some outside. on my own. Okay, on your own. Yeah. Well, no, 70-30, I would say. Okay. Um, and of that 30%, maybe maybe 10% was, like, um, other people. Yeah, okay. And 20 was just me on my own. Me in the textbook, basically. Okay. Me in the internet. And then high school? Um, high school was... Honestly, it was... Overall, it was probably flopped. It was probably... Um, 30% or less straight from mom, probably less, and then at least 70% was either from other people, community college professors, co-op professors, piano teachers, dance teachers, etc. Um, and a lot of that was just me in the textbook, too. 
So I think it, it was a gradual um, decrease of one-on-one -on -one teaching with mom and a gradual increase of personal responsibility and also working with people outside of my family. Okay, so going through this whole homeschooling experience, what are your main, what, what will be your main foundation um, if you do choose to homeschool your own kids in the future? Um, I'm gonna have to ask my husband about this <laughs> once I find him. Uh, but if it were uh, excluding any uh, difference in opinion, I plan on homeschooling my kids. Um, I'm not like stuck to that. If there's a, a season in my life where it just doesn't make sense for me to be doing that, uh, then I'm, I'm open to um, sending them to a, a private school or even in extenuating circumstances, maybe a public school. Um, but I, I am planning on homeschooling my kids. I think it's, yeah, it's been so beneficial to me. And I, I do agree with my parents. I feel like I will be responsible for raising my kids um, and I want to have that influence on uh, how they learn and not just on general parenting. Would you choose that over having a full-time career? Or w could you do both? Um, I would definitely choose that above having a full-time career. Um, and that's because my interests are so varied that I would never choose one thing to the exclusion of everything else. And to me, homeschooling, teaching, uh, is the privilege of being able to learn alongside my future kids mm -hmm. in every single subject. Um, so I, I love the variety, and I would choose the variety over pursuing one career path. Um, but I, I do plan on working uh, after I graduate, which will be pretty soon, I'm already working now. I plan to keep working part-time, um, you know, on and off for the rest of my life. Um, but it's just, it's really convenient that my interests are in areas like music or dance or art, where I can teach those things and participate in them um, on the side. It's, it's just very flexible and I have a lot of options. Um, and I'm, I think I'm equipped for a lot of different possible career choices. Um, but to answer your question, no, I'm not looking for a super competitive, um, classy, lifetime career. <laughs> I don't know what that would be if I had to pick one. Um, but yeah, I would definitely choose teaching my kids full time. Really? So if you've, what if you found a job that you absolutely loved? Um, but it was a time commitment to the point where you couldn't do both. Um, well, if if it seems to be what God is directing me towards, then I would I would really consider it. Like mm. I'm not saying never, mm -hmm. but yeah. I would. I'm so excited about teaching kids so excited about being a mother I'm so excited about um, finding that perfect way to express a concept and seeing their faces light up when they when they understand it I'm excited about um, deciding which classes they need to be taking I'm excited about 
outsourcing and finding the best resources to give my kids. That is my life's dream. Um, I know it's not everybody's, but it happens to be mine. So Have you ever thought about being a teacher? <laughs> I have thought about being a teacher. Um, it's kind of like my... That doesn't appeal to you? <laughs> it's, it's my in-the-meantime plan and my uh, second choice, I guess. Um, if I can't teach my own kids, I'd love to teach someone else's. I'm already doing that, and I do really enjoy it. Okay, so you talked about speech and debate being a big role in your life as like a homeschooler. What was there anything else that played a similar role in like an extracurricular activity with like other kids? Yeah, I would say dance. Um, it challenged me in a lot of ways. It did not come easily at first. I was I started when I was um, a sophomore in high school, and most professional dancers start when they're three or, or five. Um, so I was very behind for a long time. It was very humbling. It forced me to actually try hard, which I don't know if I had done up until that point. Um, I learned to persevere, which was not a skill that I had previously. I learned self-control, which was not something I was very good at before that. Um, I learned I learned so much through dance. It was like the worst thing and the best thing at the same time. Um, it was it was like my public school experience and some of the the teachers were were really mean and nearing uh, verbally abusive um, and some of the girls were were kind of horrible to me and some of them were really great um, but I was really lonely for some of it I felt invisible for some of it I it was like a painful growing pains it was it was a good experience and it taught me a lot, um, but it was like trial by fire, I guess. Okay. Um, so yeah, I think that had a huge impact on my life. The, the most important thing that I learned through dance was this novel thought that I have control over my attitude. Mm. Um, because you, you can't really do that with, say, math. You can have a terrible attitude, absolutely hate every minute of it, and get 100% on the test. But in dance, if you are having a terrible attitude and a terrible day, and that shows in your face and you're dancing, then you're not getting 100%. You're failing. Um, so I learned to choose joy. I learned to recognize, look, I'm feeling this way right now. I'm having a bad day. I'm discouraged about these things. But... I'm going to choose to enjoy this plie. I'm going to choose to enjoy this across the floor combination and I'm gonna dance it and I'm gonna love it. I'm gonna choose joy. And that really changed my life. Okay, so um, do you think, how do you think homeschooling would have been if you were an only child? Or I think if it you would had have been... just like one or two siblings <laughs> and it was like a less uh, large yeah. family? I think it would have been lonely. Um, I'm extremely social, and I love people. I'm one of the most extroverted people I know. I get so much energy just from people, and I get so lonely, even if I spend just two days um, with myself, two days by myself. Mm -hmm. Weekends were sometimes hard in college because it was just me. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it would have been lonely, but I know... If I only had one sibling, or if it was just me, 
Like, God is still enough. He would have used it. I would have had an even closer relationship with my parents. I w we would have been even more intentional about finding social connections outside of the home. Um, we would have been even more intentional with our neighbors or with our church. Like, God can use any situation, but I'm really glad that I had a lot of siblings. Is that, um, would that be a concern later on in your life if you were to have your own family? Um, I, I'm not gonna start stressing about problems that haven't come up yet. Makes sense. Uh, so no, but yeah, I just, I, I trust God. If, yeah. if he only gives me one kid or, or just two, we'll figure it out. It'll be good. He'll bless it. So do you know if any of your siblings right now um have have they ever voiced a discontent with being homeschooled um yeah i think we've all voiced it at one time or another sometimes we're just being brats mom i want to go to public school just because we know it it annoys her to say that um so sure we, was there, we've was all there said any that. genuine like want I think statement? there's been there's been genuine curiosity like what would it be like if I had to get up and go to school every day what would it be like if I had to figure out who to sit with at the cafeteria what would it be like there was there was a lot of curiosity hmm. but um, as far as I know none of us have dis have come to the conclusion that like this we is wish we me. had been yeah I don't think we've any of us have gotten that far so, um, how many, how many, do you remember how many times you took, like, the SAT or ACT? Um, yeah, I took it, I took the ACT twice, once as, like, a freshman, once oh, wow, as a the freshman. junior, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I remember we had to, we had to take it to get into dual credit or something. Oh, okay. I forget. Yeah, but I took it kind of early, and then I took it for real as a junior. So... I forget, I forget how the college process works, um, but I feel like we had to have some, like, teacher recommendation letters. Yeah. Mm -hmm. did, so how did that work? So was, Would your mom write them, or how... I tried not to have my mom write them. The co-op, or what? How yeah. would that work? Uh, depends on the school. Some of them ask for, like, a teacher recommendation, a pastor recommendation, and a, and a fill-in-the-blank recommendation. But I asked some of my piano teachers. Um, I also, there, was, there were a few teachers at my co-op that I had a really good relationship with. Um, there was one literature, literature teacher that I just loved. There was one chemistry teacher that I loved, which was really impressive considering how much I hated chemistry. But yeah, I would ask outside teachers to write me recommendations. And I mean, I, I got the scholarship, so I think, I think it went well. <laughs> So, um, was it, was it hard going to ORU, that transition? No, it was, it was like weirdly so easy. <laughs> I, d I expected it to be harder. Um, and I had one little emotional meltdown. It was as we were moving in, my whole family was helping me. So there was like <laughs> a thousand people in this tiny closet of a dorm room yeah and we were trying to organize things but there was no space to organize and the family most of them left to like get lunch or something and it was just me mm -hmm. and maybe mom I forget 
Um, and I broke down and started crying. I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Yeah. Um, and so it was like a little 20 minute session of me just feeling sorry for myself. Like the world is too much. I don't know if I can handle this. This is too hard. Um, and then I was fine from, from then on. (laughs) So it took, so it wasn't a hard transition. No, it wasn't. I, I think I, I, I started going to classes first day of classes. I was like, Oh yeah, I got this. This is great. Did you get homesick? No. Really? <laughs> no, actually. I, I did come home a few times that semester because we had several three-day weekends, and it's only four hours away. Some of my friends were going home, so it was easy to catch a ride with them. Um, so maybe I just didn't get very much of an opportunity to be homesick. But from what I've seen in our family, we we love each other and we love being home, but none of us have ever been homesick. Like, we're, we're remarkably independent for how close-knit we are. Interesting. Because yeah. I, w- I would think since right? you spent, like, all this Surprised time me being too. homeschooled, <laughs> and then you go away for college, that you would, it would be a big shock. No, I was excited for the next new thing. Like, I was excited to, to apply what I'd learned. Huh. Interesting. I was excited to to test my faith to see is this you know is this just me or is this my parents I was excited to um to build friendships with people I was excited for the challenge of all right let's see how this homeschooler socializes Hmm. yeah you weren't scared no I don't think so do you know if Ella or Ab were scared oh definitely not yeah do you think it in the personalities that you see in your in your younger siblings do you see any of them <laughs> being fearful of going to college and leaving home um i want to say no um i also don't want to name names because that yeah, seems mean but Amy i don't know liddy is... seems ready to get out oh yeah oh yeah liddy's ready gets ready Seta even Vic. emmy it's hard to tell because she's, so she's so pure and yeah. sweet and quiet and just incredible <laughs> I can, I don't know. She, I think we just treat her like the baby because she's been the baby of the family. Yeah. She's a, a lot older than we, yeah, we see her to be. But she's she's my baby Emmy. She can't leave and go to college. Know. But, you know, she's still got a few years, so I'm sure she'll be fine. <laughs> so I, I'm just personally interested. What happened to your phone? My phone that was stolen? Yeah. Um, How did it get stolen? So I was at a thrift store um because we grew up going to thrift store and i've always loved them and now they're trendy again it's cool and hip to to repurpose old clothing so i was at a thrift store and i was holding like a bunch of stuff and my phone was in my pocket dad called and asked if we wanted chipotle for dinner or something um and so i answered the call and then i hung up and i was still looking through clothes and um there was this really cute pair of pants Uh and i I needed to see if it would fit, but my arms were full, so I like set my phone down and then I like shifted what I was carrying. I put it on the rack for a minute so I could look at these pants. And they were awesome pants. I ended up buying them. They've really changed my life. <laughs> but they were not worth the sacrifice. Because when I picked up my stuff again, I forgot my phone. Right. And when I realized that I didn't have it, about five minutes later, um, I came back and it was gone. I wasn't even sure where I had left it. We scoured the entire store. We asked uh, the staff if anyone had turned it in. 
We looked everywhere for that phone. We came back the next morning and looked through security tapes to see if I could find myself setting it down. And I felt like I was in like a like a crime yeah, movie. That's I was cool. looking through security tapes. I was comparing the time. I was tracking my progress throughout the store. I was comparing what I was seeing with my memory, with my phone log to see what time I had gotten the call, what time I hung up. Yeah. And I had to shift the 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 tapes a whole hour because they hadn't been updated since daylight savings time so it was off (laughs) i finally i found i found a perfect shot of me setting my phone down and I, i just i had to i had to watch it happen and i i saw myself leave the phone and walk off I actually came back before I'd realized the phone was missing and walked past it again. And I'm watching this computer screen yelling at myself, no, just look left, it's right there. (laughs) And I didn't. And so I kept watching and we were, I was on the edge of my seat, like who's gonna steal it? Who's the culprit? One innocent looking woman walks by, does not steal the phone. A man walks by. He pauses. Does he look at he it? He continues. He does not see the phone. I didn't see it, I guess. A third woman, this sweet, elderly <laughs> grandma type, she's just strolling down the aisle, yeah. pushing her little cart. Uh-huh. She checks out a pair of pants. She moves on. She looks at another. She passes where my phone is. Yeah. And then she looks up and pulls the cart back. Uh reaches up and grabs the phone you can see her turning it over the lock screen pops on and you can see my lock screen in her hands she has the phone um and she slips it into her purse looks furtively over her shoulder really she looks over her shoulder. oh yes oh yes because i'm like oh maybe she just thought it was her phone it was malicious she stole that phone she could have turned it in but she was like an elderly lady. She didn't even... She put it in her purse. She put it in her purse and she walked out of the frame. Maybe and that she was thought that. it was her phone. We got the police involved. He actually said it was a jailable offense. <laughs> Who knew? I mean, the, the phone was worth like $700, so I guess that That's, makes sense. Yeah, that, that does make sense. Uh-huh. We filed a, a police report. Um, we asked we interrogated the the employees we said do you recognize this woman she turned out to be a regular she had come in a lot of times she comes in for senior tuesday weekly tuesday and they said okay if she ever comes in we're gonna we're gonna stall her and call the police and we will get your phone back (laughs) she never came back she never came back she never senior tuesday i guess senior tuesday was what she had to give up in order to keep for a locked phone yeah maybe she had the phone my debit card oh it had my id oh it had that stuff too i just really hope that that like phone wallet blessed her (laughs) did she yeah i did did you ever never again did she ever charge anything to you no well for a debit card you need the. no i turned off the debit card okay right after i realized it was gone responsible yep makes sense there's probably somewhere out there um, who looks enough like me to Did use you try to it track as a your fake phone? license. What? Did you try to track your phone? Yeah, it. she never turned it on. She was very, very smart about it. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she's elderly. She, she has a lot I of know. Like, knowledge and she's wise and a lot right, of experience, right. I would assume. Yeah. 
What? That ID, though, I bet that was useful because I was over 21. Yeah. So anyone could pass as Madeline Malone, get into any bar, you know? That's true. Like, that's going to pass scrutiny. It's a real <laughs> driver's license. Yeah. Well, it's 145. Thank wow. you for doing this with me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm sorry for my long, rambly answers. No, <laughs> I no, hope no, you good. edit this. Are you gonna? No. What? Okay, great. Do you know why I don't edit? Why? Okay, there's a couple of reasons. Okay, yeah, tell me. Um, one, because less work for me. Sure. Yeah. Two, um, I want the conversation to be organic yeah. and in its entirety. Okay. Um, for a couple of reasons. Um, because I don't want people to think that I cut some things out and leave some things in to right. set an agenda. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't want to, um, be, like, accused of anything of that sort. Um, and it's just easier. Okay. And it's, like, more, Those more, it's more reasons. realistic. That's true. Um, hearing a full conversation, um, all the way through without... Um, having cuts in it, um, even if the cuts are seamless. Um, right. I don't want people to feel like they're missing out on anything, um, and it's less work for me. Okay. Well, I can accept that. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you. Um, thank you. Thank you for having yeah. me. It's been a pleasure and an honor. It has been an honor. I've had I have I had a lot of fun this past weekend. Big fan of the the Mauer Power podcast. Yeah. There's a new series coming soon called. Mauer Power Hour series. Wow, okay. Each episode would just be an hour. Okay, I can't be, wait. Yeah, be with Sign you. Sign me up. It'll be with UConn um, professors. So, okay. It should be more, I guess, maybe academic. I don't know. It should be a lot of learning, though, from it. Okay, sounds fascinating. Thank Again, you so much. Thank you. All right, see ya.